if I was to ask you to think about heaven just for a moment, and if I was to tell you that there is one mad, man-made thing in heaven, I wonder if you know what it is. Perhaps some of you are sitting there thinking, if there's one man-made thing in heaven, I wish it was an iPad or a microwave. But can I say you're not going to need a microwave in heaven for eternity. There is one man-made thing in heaven and the Bible indicates that that one man-made thing in heaven is the scars and the wounds on the body of Jesus. Because they were made, well, <laughs> they were made by men, weren't they? They were made by men and they are now on the body of Jesus. The Bible says in Revelation 5 verse 6, then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. In other words, there was this picture of a lamb, this is a picture of Jesus looking as if he had been slain. In other words, the scars on the hands of Jesus and on the feet of Jesus and in the side of Jesus are still on the body of Jesus. Even though Jesus has been resurrected and he's in a resurrected body, the scars on his hands and on his feet and on his side are still there. And it's really interesting when you read the, the, uh, the stories around Easter and you read the crucifixion stories and then you read the resurrection stories and it's interesting how many times Jesus came to different people and showed them the wounds and showed them the scars. The famous one is in John chapter 20 uh, with Thomas. Remember Thomas? We call him Doubting Thomas. Actually, I think he wanted to be a believing Thomas, but he, he wasn't there when Jesus came uh, in a resurrected state to the disciples. And, and, and like he came there and just imagine the scene when they all came and said, you never get what happened you know Jesus who was buried and you know the one and we saw him and we wept and we you know we were there at his thing and he was buried and they put him in the tomb and they put the stone over it you'll never guess why he's alive again he's come back from the dead and he came to see us and Thomas said I I don't believe it I wasn't there I want to believe it but I can't believe it because I didn't see him then it says a week later Jesus came again into a room And he came up to Thomas and he said, it is me. And if you don't know that it's me, look at my side. Look at my side. Look at my hands. Look at the scars and the wounds. Then in another instance, he came to another whole group of of disciples and followers and he showed them his wounds again and they worshipped him. And then in Luke 24, it says that there were two men on the road to Emmaus. Remember that story? And um, Jesus was resurrected and was there with them and was walking along the road with them. And they didn't recognize that it was him. The Bible says in Luke 24 verse 30 that when they'd been going some time, he said, why don't we come in and have a meal together? And they went into a house and they had a meal together. They took bread like this bread here. And the Bible says in Luke 24 verse 30, when he broke the bread and offered it to them, they recognized that it was Jesus. How did they do that? I wonder if when he broke the bread and put his hand out, they saw the scars that were in his hands. And all of a sudden they said, this is Jesus. Because even though his body was resurrected and God did that and God raised him from the dead, he kept the scars in his hands. He kept the scars in his feet and he kept the wound in his side. And I want to talk to you a little for a few moments because in a, in a few moments time we're going to take communion. And we're going to invite you to come to the cross and to take communion tonight on Good Friday. But we're going to think a little bit first, before we do that, about the hands of Jesus. Because the hands of Jesus are absolutely amazing. Let me just tell you a few things about the hands of Jesus. You know, they were human hands. They were human hands. Okay, if you think that they were divine hands, they weren't. They were human hands. In other words, when Jesus was a baby, he had baby hands. 
Alison and myself yesterday went to see two people in the church um, to see uh, Mark and Vicky and James and Nat. If you don't know, James and Nat have had a baby as well the day after Mark and Vicky. So they're two brand new babies. And when you see a baby's fingers, they're so dinky, aren't they? And people say, do you want to hold them? And I say, no. Because I just don't do babies at that little. Just about held our own, but I don't hold anybody else's, okay? But they're amazing, their fingers. And Jesus' fingers, Jesus' hands were like little baby hands when he was a baby. And then when he grew up to be a boy, they were boy hands. And then he was a teenager. So he probably picked his nose. No, he probably did. Because that's what teenage boys do. And people who drive cars, okay? And, um, and so they were normal. They were human hands, And then when he was a man, they were man hands. And they were also not just human hands, they were working hands. See, the Bible says that Jesus was a carpenter. So he didn't have like the fairy liquid soft, if you remember that advert, soft washing up liquid. He didn't have that. He had rough, hard, calloused hands. They were human hands. They were working hands. They were also healing hands. He touched people and they were healed. He put his hands on people's eyes and they could see. He put his hands on dead people and they came to life. Not only were they healing hands, they were compassionate hands. Because he touched people they didn't need to touch. When he healed a leper by the word of his mouth, he also, the Bible says, he also touched the leper. Because he knew that it wasn't just physical healing the leper needed, it was emotional healing. And that comes when you know that somebody cares about you enough to put themselves at risk and to touch you. Because he was compassionate. So they were human hands, they were, they were working hands, they were healing hands, they were compassionate hands, and they were scarred, wounded hands. Why? Why didn't God, when God raised him from the dead, why didn't he clean up the wounds as well? Why did he leave the scars in the hands of Jesus? Well, I think there are three reasons that I can think of. There's probably loads more. Firstly, they are the evidence of the extent to which God loves us. God sent his only son And not only sent him, but allowed him to go through this. Yeah? He allowed his only son to go through this. And he left the scars in the hands of Jesus to show us just how much love he has for us. You know, I don't know whether I would do that with my son for you. (laughs) Even those of you that I would consider and you consider that we were friends. I don't know whether I'd do that, but the Bible says he didn't just do it for friends. He did it for those who, who, who were actually enemies. That's the extent of his love. And he kept the wounds in the hands of Jesus just to show us how much he loves us. Isn't that amazing? And so tonight when we take, when we open our hands and when we eat the bread and when we drink the juice, speaks of the body and the blood of Jesus. Just remember that in the hands of Jesus tonight, there are the wounds that show you just how much he loves you. They are proof. They are evidence of the extent of God's love. But they are also proof and evidence of what God has accomplished for us because of what Christ has done on the cross. It says in Colossians 2 verse 14, He cancelled the record of the charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In his hands... He nailed my sin and your sin. Isn't that amazing? Somebody once said, He came to pay a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. That's why he's left the scars in his hands because he wants to remind us for all eternity that he has done it all. He has taken all of our sin and all of our mess-ups and all of our failures and all of the icky stuff of our humanity and he nailed it into the hands of Jesus on the cross. What a saviour, isn't he? What an amazing saviour. And thirdly, I think the scars are still in the hands of Jesus because they show us hope that one day our wounds and our scars will be healed. 
They will be healed. They're kept in the hands of Jesus because one day the hope is that, that all of our wounds and all of our tears, the Bible says, that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more pain and no more death. But you know, there is one more thing about the hands of Jesus that I want to say. They're open hands and they're inviting hands. And these scarred and wounded hands invite you this evening to come to the cross. In a few minutes time, we're going to begin to worship together and we're going to invite you to come to the cross. And I'm going to invite you to come with open hands as well. And I'm going to invite you to do three things tonight. I'm going to invite you as you come to the cross to let some things go. So you've got to come to the cross and let some things go. It's no good us receiving all this stuff from God if we hold on to the stuff that God doesn't want us to hold on to. So I'm going to invite you to come tonight and figuratively or symbolically or in some way just let some stuff go tonight. Then I ask you to take hold of some things again as we take communion around this cross this evening. Take hold of who you are in Christ and what God has done for you and what Jesus has accomplished for you on the cross 2,000 years ago, 3,000 miles from here. What he held in his hands, what he won for you at Calvary. Take hold of that again. And then thirdly, I'm going to ask you to come and to eat and to drink and to open your hands and to remind yourself that into your hands, God has placed his spirit. God has placed his seal. God has placed his Christ, his son, into your hands and into your life. And so in a moment, we're going to worship, as I say, and spend some time just singing. And then I'm going to invite you to come and I'll explain how that's going to happen in a minute. But let me just read a passage to you from Corinthians, from the message. And this is what Paul says about this meal. And how many have ever taken communion before? Like ever in your life. Like how many of you can just not remember how many times you've taken it? But, but listen to these words again. And, and I pray, my prayer for you tonight is that this would be different. Not just because we're doing it slightly differently, but this would be different. Let's, let, let's see, hear what Paul says. Let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important. You see, I received my instructions from the Master himself and passed them on to you. The master Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, took bread. Having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of of the master you will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns you must never let familiarity breed contempt anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the master irreverently is like part of the crowd that jeered and spat on him at his death is that the kind of remembrance you want to be a part of so examine your hearts your motives test your heart Come to this meal in holy awe. Why don't we close our eyes for a moment? And just, just picture, whatever picture you have in your mind of the hands of Jesus. The wounded, scarred, human, working, compassionate, healing, 
open hands of Jesus. And he broke bread the night before he was crucified. And he cooked fish on the beach when he was resurrected. And his hands are open for you, for me this evening. So we're going to come. We're going to eat and we're going to drink. I'm going to pray for you. Christ Jesus, you hung upon a cross and died for us so that we might live for you. Your body was broken and your blood shed so that we might be healed and made whole. You were faithful unto death so that we might be faithful unto life. Your last command was that we might love one another, one family together from every tribe and nation, a new creation united through your sacrifice, redeemed by your blood and healed by your love, united by your covenant of peace in your death, may we find life.